Man, well, please take your Bibles and turn with me now to uh, John chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Our message series is called Biblical Foundations. We are looking at seven foundational teachings of Scripture as, as found in our church statement of faith. And so far in our series, we've looked at the Bible, we've looked at God, and we've looked at Jesus. And after looking at Jesus and who Jesus is and what he did for us, uh, naturally we come to today's topic, which is salvation. What do we believe about salvation as a church. So we're going to start in John chapter 3, and uh, so if you'll please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. John 3, beginning at verse 5. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying." You must be born again. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look at these words and and other scriptures, and uh, as we study this uh, uh, amazing subject of salvation in your word, Lord, I pray that it would be more than just uh, intellectual learning today, Lord, but that uh, we would just open our hearts to hear what you would say to us through your word and through your spirit, and Lord, that we would just worship you and rejoice in you all the more for our salvation and desire to share that with others. Uh, Lord, bless this time now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. One of the most important teachings of the Bible has to do with salvation. Uh, In fact, a a case could be made that apart from the first two chapters of the Bible, right, the first two chapters of Genesis, the whole rest of the Bible has to do with salvation, has to do with our great need for salvation and why we need salvation and what God did to save us and what we must do uh, to be saved. But unfortunately, this whole area of salvation is also one of the most misunderstood teachings, really, in the whole Bible. And tragically, every day, every day, people die every day without ever really understanding what the Bible teaches about salvation. And it's really one of the clearest simplest and most beautiful teachings in all of Scripture, and yet a great majority of people do not know what the Bible teaches about how a person may be saved. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. What does the Bible teach about this? And uh, the particular uh, section of our statement of faith, there's an outline in your worship guide. I encourage you to take that out. And right on the top there, uh, you'll find that this part of our statement of faith says this, we believe that for the salvation of lost and sinful people, regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. And this statement uh, really brings up two questions that we need to address this morning. Number one, why do we need salvation? You'll see that's the first point on your outline. And number two, why do we need to be born again? That's the second point. So we're going to see what does the Bible teach us? What does it tell us about the answers to these two very important questions? So first of all, first question up, why do we need salvation? Okay, why, why is this even an issue? And the Bible says we need salvation, first of all, because we are separated from God by sin. 
Now, it wasn't all this way, always this way. Man was, was not sinful uh, when God first created him. We read in Genesis chapter 1, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And so this was God's stamp of approval over all of his creation, and that included the man and the woman whom he created in his own image. And, and we read in those early chapters of Genesis how, how God communicated with man, how God provided for all his needs, how God would come to meet with the man and the woman in the garden in the cool of the day. There was no sin, there was no sickness, no suffering or pain. The man and the woman were fulfilling their created purpose to live in harmony with each other and the created world and to live in perfect relationship with God. Doesn't that sound amazing? That's the way it was. And, but all that changed. All that changed when Adam and Eve chose sin over God. Now, when God first placed Adam in the garden, God told him, he said, Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And you know the story, despite God's gracious provision for all of their needs, despite God's clear forewarning, Adam and Eve both disobeyed God's command. They ate the fruit from the forbidden tree. We call this the fall of man, when mankind fell into sin and death by disobeying God in the garden. And, and, and death's a big part of that. The Bible tells us that death is a direct result of sin. God told Adam, the day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. The book of Romans tells us the wages of sin is death. And death always involves some kind of separation. Have you ever thought about that? Some kind of separation. When the Bible speaks of death as a result of sin, it's speaking really of three kinds of separation or death. There's physical death, there's spiritual death, and there's what we might call eternal death. Physical death is simply the separation of your body from your spirit or soul. Spiritual death is the separation of the person from God. Eternal death is similar to spiritual death, except that it involves eternal separation from God as well as eternal punishment for sin. We're, we're not going to spend a lot of time on eternal death today. We're, we're going to get to that uh, in a couple weeks when we speak about heaven and hell. Uh, but for right now, I do want us to take a closer look at physical death and spiritual death. Now, Adam and Eve did not die physically, okay, that same day that they ate from the tree. By God's good grace, they did not die on the spot, although they could have. God could have taken their lives. He was well within his rights. They did not die physically, but their physical relationship to the world around them changed in an instant. They had sinned, and according to God's own word, they would surely die. And so their bodies, which up to this point had suffered no sickness or decay, their bodies now began the inevitable process of aging and dying, which would eventually lead to physical death. They didn't die physically that day, but they began to die physically. However, they did die spiritually that day. The wages of sin is death, and that includes spiritual death as well as 
physical death. Spiritual death means separation from God, and it comes as a direct result of sin. We, for example, we read in Isaiah 59, verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin separates us from God because God is holy. God will not and does not tolerate sin. And so when mankind sinned, mankind died spiritually and they became separated from God. Now that does not mean that that we were no longer created in God's image, right? We we saw that earlier. We're, We're created in God's image and we're still created in God's image. We're still persons who think and act and feel. Uh, we're, we have relationships. We have the ability to make moral choices. That's all part of the image of God. But something's changed. Now our thoughts, our feelings, and actions, they've all been stained by sin. Our relationship with God has been severed by sin. Our relationships with each other have been damaged by sin. Our ability to make right moral choices has been displaced by sin. So we're still created in the image of God, right? The image has not been destroyed by sin, but it has been distorted, defiled, and defaced. We no longer reflect God's holiness as God designed. We no longer enjoy relationship with God as God intended. We were created in the image of God, but we sinned and thereby incurred not only physical death, but also that spiritual death which is separation from God. Now, the Bible also tells us that we are all sinners by nature and by deed. In other words, sin is more than just a general condition of mankind, right? No, sin is more than that. Sin is intensely personal. It's not just that mankind in general is separated from God by sin. No, each individual human being is a sinner, And each of us is separated from God by our own sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. We've all sinned. No exceptions. 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. 1 Kings 8.46 puts it real plainly. There is no one who does not sin. Okay, so one of the ways we know that all have sinned, one of the ways we know this is true is because everyone dies, right? We already looked at Romans 6.23, says the wages of sin is death. That's the general statement. If you turn to Romans 5.12, this verse takes that same truth, but it applies it individually to each and every human being. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men. Why? Because all Sinned. Why does everyone die? Because everyone sins, right? We're all sinners. And in what way are we all sinners? The Bible says by nature and by deed. So the Bible makes a distinction between our sinful nature and then our sinful actions or our sinful deeds. Let's take a look at our sinful nature first. Our sinful nature, that is a problem at the very root or core of our being. This is not a surface problem. This is not something that can simply be corrected with proper training or education or discipline. It is a problem of the heart. 
Listen for the word heart in these verses. Genesis 8, God says this about human beings. Every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. Jeremiah 17, 9, God says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. So it's a heart problem. You came here this morning and you didn't know that you have a heart problem. I'm sorry to break the news to you. You got a heart problem, okay? Having a sinful nature means that you naturally sin. It doesn't take any practice or training. You don't need an instructional video. You don't need to take a class in it. You don't have to dial up YouTube. Uh, How can I learn how to sin? You know, and and then, then follow the directions. No, as human beings with a sinful nature, sinning comes as natural to us as breathing. And not only that, but the Bible tells us that we're born with this. We're born with this sinful nature. It's not something that you just pick up later in life by observing others and then following suit. You know, monkey see, monkey do. No, you're born with it. Now, this is fascinating. Let's trace this out through Scripture. Okay, let's just back up for a minute. We saw earlier that when God first created Adam and Eve in his own image, he created them how? Perfect and without sin. Then we saw that when Adam and Eve sinned, the image of God in them was not removed, but it was twisted. It was distorted by sin. So here's the big question. Now, what happens when Adam and Eve have children? Do they pass on the perfect image of God, which they had originally received at creation, or do they pass on the distorted image of God, which was defiled by sin? And here we turn to Genesis 5.3, And here we read that Adam had a son, not in God's own image. Genesis 5.3 says, Adam had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. When Adam and Eve had children, they did not pass along the perfect, holy image of God that they received at creation. Rather, they passed on the image of God they now possessed as fallen human beings, the image that was twisted and distorted by sin. Here's the basic rundown on this. Ready? Fallen, sinful human parents produce fallen, sinful human children. It's just the way it works. Book of Job. Job asks the question. He says, who can bring what is pure from the impure? And then he answers emphatically, no one. We're not pure. We're not going to produce pure children. Can't be done. Jesus said in John 3, flesh gives birth to flesh. Something different has to happen to take care of that sinful nature. And so the sinful nature is passed on from father and mother to child, from one generation to the next. That's why King David uh, wrote in Psalm 51, he said, surely I was sinful at birth. Then he goes back even further. He says, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, even before birth. So the Bible is very clear concerning our fallen condition. We are all born with a sinful nature. But it doesn't stop there. We're not just sinners by nature, but we are also sinners by action or deed. Okay? We're born sinners by nature, and guess what? Just a matter of time after we're born until each one of us starts to sin. And once we get started, oh boy, we're just on a roll, right? There's just no stopping it. And it's important to understand the relationship now between your sinful nature and your sinful actions. Think about it for a minute. Which comes first? Not the chicken or the egg, but which comes first? Your your sinful nature 
or your sinful actions. Well, your sinful nature, that's part of who you are. Your sinful actions are what you do as a result of who you are. Your sinful actions are just an outward expression of who you already are in the inside. So which comes first? Your sinful nature comes first, then your sinful actions follow. Or if you really want to get confused, try this phrase on for size. Ready? You are not a sinner because you sin. Rather, you sin because you're a sinner. Okay, I'll say that again. Okay, everybody's eyes ah! You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. It's who you are. It's your nature. And how do we sin? The Bible says we sin in so many ways. We sin any time we break God's laws or commands. But sin is not just something we do. We can also sin with our words, with our thoughts, even with our attitudes. Anything that falls short of God's perfection and glory is sin. And we all fall far short of the mark. So we're not only sinners by nature, we also commit sin. We do sin. We act out who we are. And so all of that's the answer to our first question. Why do we need salvation? Because we are lost and sinful people. We're separated from God by sin, and we are all sinners by nature and by deed. But now we need to move on to our second question. Why do we need to be born again? Okay, and once again, if we go back to our statement of faith, this section reads as follows. We believe that for the salvation of lost and sinful people, that's everything we just talked about, lost and sinful people, what is required? Regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. That that word regeneration, that's just a big old fancy word uh, for rebirth or being born again. As we're going to see, the Bible says you must be born again to be saved. It is essential. It's essential for for salvation. You might wonder, well, why is that? Why do we need to be born again? I'm going to share with you three reasons now. First reason is because we cannot save ourselves. Can't do it. The Bible tells us that salvation is by God's grace. It's not by human works. In other words, salvation is something that God does rather than what you do. And the Bible is crystal clear about this, and yet so many people do not understand this aspect of salvation. One of the best questions, okay, that I've ever heard to help a person focus in on what they believe about their salvation is this. You've probably heard this question before. If you were to die today and stand before God and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. Come up with your own personal answer to that in your mind. If you were to die today and stand before God, and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to God in reply? Now, I've asked that question to hundreds of people over the years, and the most common answer I usually get usually goes something like this. They say, well, I would say that, that, that I'm a good person, that, that I go to church, that I was baptized, that I love my family, uh, that I try to follow the Ten Commandments. And, oh yeah, that I never killed anyone. They always throw that one in. I don't know why. You know, I mean, that's a pretty low bar for salvation, isn't it? It's like, I'm, I mean, always glad to hear you never killed anybody. Good, I'll keep talking to you. But yeah, yeah it's a pretty low bar there, right? But did you notice what each of those statements, what, what word begins each of those sentences? Yeah, I'm a good person. I go to church. I never killed anyone. It's I, I, I. And, and when you answer that way, maybe you just did a moment ago. Uh, it shows what you're trusting for your salvation. You're trusting yourself. 
You're trusting your own works for salvation rather than God's grace. Now, if you did answer that way, if in your mind you started thinking, yeah, I'm a good person, I, I'm pretty good to people, yeah, I take care of things, it was all I, you know, that's okay because I've got some great news for you. If you answered that way, I've got some great news for you because the Bible tells you that salvation is not something that you have to work for, but it's a gift that God gives you through Jesus Christ. We read in Ephesians chapter two, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. A gift is not something that you work for or or, or earn if you work for it, right? It's no longer a gift. Now, the Bible also says this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Wages, that is something that you earn or deserve. Bad news is it says the wages of sin is death. That means you've earned it. You've earned death from your sin. You deserve death because of your sin. But you cannot earn God's salvation, and you don't deserve God's salvation. That's why we call it grace. You can only receive it as a gift from God. Now, this is totally opposite, okay? Totally opposite from the way most people think about salvation. Most people think that you do work for your salvation. Most people think that you somehow have to be good enough to get into heaven. The most common misconception about salvation is this. Ready? People think that if you're good, you go to heaven, and if you're bad, you go to hell, right? That's what just practically everybody believes. But that's not the way it works at all. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say that you go to heaven because you're good. In fact, you know how good you'd have to be in order to go to heaven on your own merit? It, you'll, it's going to be a higher bar than not killing anyone, okay? It's going to be a little higher than that. This is what Jesus said. This is the measure. This is the standard. Matthew five forty-eight. Jesus said, you must be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's a pretty high standard. That's a high bar. But you know what? It makes sense. Heaven is a place of perfection. Therefore, only that which is perfect or perfected will ever enter its gates. Any perfect people here today? I didn't think so. If you are, please come up, take my place, and you may proceed, right? (laughs) It's not your goodness that gets you into heaven. Rather, it's your sin that keeps you out. No one goes to heaven because they're good, because none of us are good enough. This is one of the main differences, by the way, between Christianity and and all the other religions uh, in the world. All the world's religions, except for Christianity, teach that salvation is something that you It is something that you work for, that it is something that you earn, that it's some type of reward for living a good life. Only Christianity teaches that salvation is by God's grace alone. And so if you are saved this morning, it's not because of some work that you've done. It's not because of some goodness that God saw in you. You are saved wholly and entirely by God's grace. It is God who began a good work in you. You did not add or contribute to your salvation in any way. Someone once said, we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin from which we need to be redeemed. That's all we bring to God is our sin. He takes care of the rest. And so that's the first reason why do you need to be born again? Because we can't save ourselves. Salvation is the free gift of God's grace alone. Now, salvation is a free gift, 
But not everyone's saved. Why is that? Because you need to receive that gift. You you have to receive a gift before it's yours. How do you receive the free gift of salvation? The Bible says salvation is received by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Repentance has to do with your attitude towards sin. Repentance means that you do a complete 180-degree turn in your life uh, concerning sin. You turn away from your sin. You turn your heart towards God. True repentance always involves true sorrow for your sin, true humility in confessing your sin to God, and a true determination to leave that sin behind. Repentance has to do with your attitude towards sin. Faith, faith has to do with your attitude towards Christ. Remember, yes, last week we talked all about Jesus. I loved, loved those, that message. It was just so much fun just to talk about Jesus for a whole morning. We talked about who Jesus is and what he did. Faith has to do with your attitude towards Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was? That he's the son of God who came into the world to save you from sin? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin in your place? Do you commit your life to him and trust him to give you the gift of eternal life? You see, saving faith is not just some vague or undefined belief and, yeah, I believe in God or I believe in an afterlife or, or, I, or you just believe in whatever you feel like believing. No, there is real and actual content to saving faith. Saving faith recognizes that if Christ had not come to die on the cross for our sins, no one would be saved. There would be no salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid a price uh, uh, high enough and sufficient enough to pay for all of the sins for all people for all times. And so saving faith is faith in Christ's finished work on the cross. Now, repentance and faith, they go together. There's a relationship here. They're really two sides of the same coin. There's no true repentance from sin without faith in Christ. Doesn't happen. There's no true faith in Christ without repentance from sin. Doesn't happen. True repentance is what we might call believing repentance. True faith is what we might call repentant faith. The two go together. Salvation is the free gift of God, but you must receive this gift in order for it to be yours. So that's the second reason. Why you need to be born again, because the gift of salvation is received by repentance and faith in Christ. And then the third reason you need to be born again is because the Bible tells you that you need to become a new person, a new person. We we looked at this earlier in John chapter 3. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. In order to enter heaven, you must become a brand new person. And only the Holy Spirit can make you new in Christ. Now, next week is our, our, our subject, the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk a whole lot more about the Holy Spirit next week and all of the ways that the Holy Spirit makes you new. But today, I just want to focus right on this word regeneration that's in our statement of faith. We said earlier that word regeneration means new birth, right? Generation means birth. The prefix re means again. So, so you know, rebirth, born again, okay? That's what the word means. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That, that, that's what happens. When you put your faith in Christ, you become God's 
new creation. Your slate is wiped clean. You're given new birth through the Holy Spirit, regenerated. You were once dead in your sins, but God makes you alive with Christ. You become a new person in Christ. You are born again. Why do you need to be born again? Can't save ourselves, right? Salvation is received by repentance and faith. You need to become a new person. The Bible is so clear. Jesus said it. In order to be saved, you must be born again. Pop quiz. What's the biggest misconception about salvation? If you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. And I hope you realize now that that's wrong. That's the biggest lie the enemy has ever spread in this world. The truth is we're all sinners. None of us are good enough to go to heaven on our own. There is a heaven, there is a hell, but none of us will go to heaven on our own merit or by our own works. In fact, let's be honest with ourselves. If salvation was by works, we'd all be lost, right? None of us, none of us can meet that standard. We are all lost and sinful people and we need a Savior. And the good news is that salvation is not by works, it's grace. It's grace. That's what we talked about last week. God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to be our Savior. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. When you repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ, you are saved. And praise God, you become that new person. All things become new. You're born again. You become a new person in Christ. Who wouldn't want that? It's the most wonderful thing in the world. And it's all so simple. It's so simple. All you need to do is turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is all about. Will you put your faith in Christ today? If you haven't done yet, so yet, I pray that you will. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful, simple teaching that so many people have completely wrong and opposite and upside down. Lord, it's not by being good that we go to heaven. It's by trusting in Jesus. It's by confessing our sin to you and trusting Jesus that you are God's son. You are who you said you were. And when you died on the cross, it was not... uh, someone just dying a martyr's death, but you went there willingly and voluntarily to pay the penalty for our sin so that we can be saved. And Lord, when we, when we do that, when we come to you, Holy Spirit, thank you. You, you make us a new person. You, you regenerate us. We're given new life, new birth through the Spirit of God. Lord, what a wonderful teaching. Thank you for revealing these things to us in Scripture because without these truths, we would certainly all be lost. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.